Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. This week I'm talking to Greg Hill and Chris Rubens. Greg is probably best known for his feats in ski touring, including his accomplishment in 2010 of skiing 2 million vertical feet in a year. And Chris is probably best known for being dumb enough to try to keep up with Greg. Just kidding, Chris. Most of you listening to this already know that Chris is a great skier, but what I continue to learn and appreciate with each conversation I have with him is that he is first and foremost a thoughtful, fun, and humble guy. Maybe that's why Greg and Cody Townsend like having him around so much. A couple days ago, I sat down with Greg and Chris in Denver to talk about how the two became the unofficial power couple of Revelstoke and to learn more about the logistics of their latest electric adventure, which took them from Revy to Colorado in an electric car for a screening of their new film, The Curve of Time. The Curve of Time comes out on Solomon TV on February 27th, and Greg and Chris talk about what inspired the film and how it embodies both their love of the outdoors and their continued efforts to consider the impact that each of us is having on it and what we might do about that. So I really hope their new film and our conversation here sparks some new thoughts that get each of us to take some new actions. Before we begin, I wanted to quickly remind you to check out our new weekly podcast, All Things Climbing, hosted by our climbing editor, Dave Alley. Just as with the Blister podcast and our Gear 30 podcast, you can subscribe to All Things Climbing in iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player and have new episodes automatically downloaded to your phone or your computer. And now let's get to my conversation with Greg and Chris, and we'll toss out the first question to Chris Rubens. Hope you enjoy. First question. When did you guys meet? I hope he remembers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I I mean, I can't remember exactly when we first met, but I definitely remember the first time we went skiing. And uh, I was working construction for his cousin, and we were actually working on his parents' house in Revelstoke. And it was the latest I'd ever worked into a season. It was like December and... 2009. Yeah, you remember the date. Amazing. But Greg pulls it out. (laughs) (laughs) He sandbagged us. He's like, oh, I have no idea. But we're like working, and we're like both skiers, and we're talking about skiing all the time. We start like... Like we gotta go skiing, guys. Go skiing. We like organize this this heli drop. It's like going bluebird, and uh, I like show show up and like still on trekkers in my in my boots. I'm like fresh up, fresh out of uh, the Rockies and hadn't switched to Dynafits yet. And uh, like holy cow, going out with Greg and all all like the the hardcore Revy crew, and we're like flying up in the helicopter. And I remember like the the first thing I say was like. Yeah, I think this like system came in with not too much wind. <laughs> and we go up and we're flying up and it's like evident quite clearly that it is wind destroyed. <laughs> like absolutely destroyed. We definitely had to get creative to find any good skiing that day. Huh. Yeah. But I that was the first day I went went ski touring around and uh 
I mean, I wasn't breaking trail, but I kept up. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how you remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alpine trackers <laughs> and race boots. I think <laughs> we skied a cool, a cool, cool one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've never skied it since then. So you're saying that I didn't keep up. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a second. Okay. So <clears throat> help, help me out on this. Uh, what's the age difference here? I'm 42. I'm 33. Okay. So nine years. Nine years. So you, when you say you don't, you don't remember when you met, that's because you guys were kind of in the same vicinity. Yeah. yeah the Ravi circles where, yeah. you know, at that time, that time this town was even smaller and yeah, I mean, obviously you meet each other, but I can't remember the official high five day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's like the first time we went skiing together, which is yeah. like, that's might and, as well be the first time you meet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially of all the adventures we've been on since. It was kind of like the, the first date. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so Greg already has a reputation at this time for uh, running up mountains. Oh, yeah. No, so this you, is like you a intimidating day to go out <laughs> yes. in the mountains. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was glad we didn't take the stairs up to this room. I was <laughs> like, I might get just, you know, dropped. Well, uh, so. well, that's the thing. Like, I think that's like why we've been hanging out lately because he's like getting getting older now and i can like actually keep keep up you know like uh, i think it? i think we've switched i'd say he's is getting, that right <laughs> yeah that's quite a compliment <laughs> mm, yeah i don't know yeah like some some things some things some things yeah like i can burn him on road bikes and that's about it okay yeah everything else he can still get he's biking, biking for sure running oh i think running next summer is gonna be tough for sure I better start training before you and not tell you for at least a month. <laughs> <laughs> so, Greg, this is the first time um, you and I have had a chance to meet and talk. And I, I would love to hear uh, just a bit of uh, the sort of, I don't know, nutshell version of your trajectory. I mean, mm. this whole, all of this outdoor stuff, what sort of when you got into what oh, and yeah. how that went. Somebody made fun of me last night. I started, I, my first ski tour was in 94. Um, I was at university. And I remember following the guide and being like, wow, this is amazing, but how would I ever get enough experience to do this or whatever? And then I went back to university and it was an incredible ski touring week. It kind of percolated in my head for a while. And then I left university to rock climb and um, moved out west just for rock climbing because that's all I did then. And uh, eventually my shoulders started dislocating and I was like, oh, I can't rock climb. Let's get into this. Oh, this ski touring thing's pretty neat. And basically from um, 98 onwards, I got, got into ski touring. <clears throat> and then a ski touring was um, in its infancy, really. You know, there was some people that did it, but it wasn't like to the point it is now. So it was really fun. I hit it early, and there was tons of like unskied lines. There was tons of things that hadn't really been done. So in that respect, it was awesome. It's like this blank slate. Like, oh, cool. So then, a huge day for most people was five thousand feet. Some people had tech bindings. Most people didn't. You know, only the hardcore European mountain guides had tech bindings and. Since then, I basically just jumped in and had and had a blast trying to progress myself and the sport at the same time. So from initially, it was big days trying to do 10,000 foot a day, 20,000 up to 50,000 feet in a day, you know, that sort of silly things. Um, essentially, just progression is what I've been keen, keen on and always exploring. So the numbers are something, but then exploring, trying to find new peaks to stand on, new things <clears> to ski. And yeah, just over the years, just tried to done first traverses, 21 day traverses that people had never done and moved to Revy in 2000 um, and it was blank it was great it was like oh, everywhere I went was like oh wow you went there and I'm like yeah it was neat oh where can we go there and we just had a good 
core group of friends and we just sent it and it's been really fun. So you kind of started this story in 1994. Mm -hmm. You just read books from like 75 to 94 and then went outside one day. I I grew up in Quebec, south of Montreal and I was a skier there, you know, it's this little ski town called Sutton and definitely, you know, our family was, we were into camping and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, for me, yeah, that was, I did a bunch of hiking and lots of skiing and then rock climbing for, from 16 onwards. But, uh, True, my true mountain path, I guess that's why I jumped to 94 was, yeah. was from then on. Yeah. Okay. It's a different life, the mountain life. So yeah. That's when, I, that's when I was born. Yeah, right. That's why I think you went to 94. You're like, it was just called being alive. <laughs> like, we, yeah. But I definitely I remember we, at, our, at our high school, we used to hike up this peak every fall or whatever. It'd be like the school hike. And I do remember being the first guy up there for every year I did it. So I definitely, even before I got in the mountains, I had this like drive to get up things quickly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But yeah. And then right before, right after Chris, Chris and I were doing that carpentry. That's when I did this, the 2 million foot year in 2010. Yeah. So right after Chris and I gave up, finished working at my mom's, the the 2000, 2 million feet started that year. So that was, that was a good year. Chris joined me on a bunch of those adventures, which was fun. Not two million though, huh, Quitter? No, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> no, I mean I thought it was pretty funny because I remember talk, talking about. It. He's like, yeah, I'm just kind of looking at a way to like ski all year. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll get along with this guy. Great. <laughs> He's probably one of the first because I honestly I didn't tell too many people about the two million feet because it's I've always hated talking about things before you do them. And because we were doing carpentry for those months leading up to the start, he's probably, I probably even talked to him about it before my wife. Cause I, I you know, kept it quiet until I was like, okay, honey, this is what I'm about to do. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my poor wife. So his poor wife, <laughs> you want to, do you care to say more on this topic? No, no, Chris? no. She's a saint. She's a yeah. saint. Okay. Well, yeah, that's about all I got for that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you uh, say this after having spent a lot of time in a car recently with uh, with this guy? Yeah, I mean, I think anyone that partners with a professional skier is a very understanding human being. That's for sure. Hmm. I mean, we're not uh, we're not we're not bad human beings by any any stretch of imagination, but we definitely have a pretty pretty weird schedule when it comes to winter and. Yeah, work trips aren't really work trips. It's like I called my wife yesterday and all sorts of stuff's happening at home. She's taking care of the kids. She's working. It's like full stress. And meanwhile, I'm on a work trip, right? which means socializing at OR and showing a movie in a bunch of to thousands of people. I just got to live in this life that's quite contrary to what's happening back home. So. Yeah, and hanging out with Ghostface Killer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Let's, let's be honest yeah. here. Let's not leave well, out any details. I don't know if we were like hanging yeah. out with Ghostface Killer, but yeah, he was, we were in the same room. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when, when did this, uh, you know, at least from sort of afar, it looks like there's this, uh, I don't know, kind of special, interesting, unique, friendship slash oh, the partnership couple. yeah the yeah. power couple. yeah that's okay what, we're allowed to talk about it yeah, yeah, the, we're open one of our one of our one of the guys in revy that called us i was like the revelstoke power couple yeah. it's like um hillbins or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay um but basically basically it started with um uh a solomon tv movie called guilt trip which uh we went went to greenland and greg was supposed to come he wasn't able to come and the whole premise of the trip was go to Greenland and um, to go skiing, but like to alleviate our guilt of burning all this carbon, 
we brought a, a glaciologist along with us to, to do some research. And so, you know, and, and <clears throat> kind of talk about climate change. And so during the trip and like before the trip definitely had like a stance on climate change. But, um, when we went to show the film, um, it was very obvious that while we like brought climate change to, to light and people like people that we showed it to are like, Hey, well, what are you doing about it? And Greg was one of those people that was like, definitely like laid the guilt trip on hard. Like you guys aren't doing anything. And, and, uh, we ended up going down this, like kind of at the same time, this rabbit hole of, um, like where, where, what, what can we do to change type thing? And so we kind of went, went down that rabbit hole at the same time and started brainstorming ideas. And, uh, yeah, it's been, I mean, what a year and a bit now, that was kind of November last year. And, uh, the the kind of answer we put this trip together of ski touring in Revelstoke, um, which was like a, a ski traverse and had this like I mean we're both like get get uh, pretty enthusiastic about this stuff and our expect expectations of the trip <clears throat> ski every big line summit everything <laughs> along the way do this ten day traverse and I mean the idea is to local adventure seems to be good we're in a position where essentially we could fly anywhere and do trips anywhere right and our footprint's really bad especially compared to most most people it's even it's like way worse when i did a carbon footprint test it was i didn't even want to do it i didn't really want to read the number at the mm -hmm. end as honest as <clears> i could be i probably still wasn't honest enough and it was way too high the footprint was insane um and yeah once you start looking at that you're reflecting you're like oh this is cool so we're these outdoor people we love the nature we love snow and we're also influencing people. And what we're really doing is the worst. We're like, travel the world, get a big truck, get a snowmobile. Let's like, let's experience nature and just throttle her while we're doing it. And, you know, kind of the more you start thinking about it, I have two kids. I'm like, what am I doing for you? You know, these are all self-serving trips I'm going on. I was like, okay, can I, can we do something different? And that's what the first trip was. It was this 10 day traverse that we put together that Solomon free ski, like let's, let's do a, a low carbon trip and still try to get good footage, still try to create good story. Cause that's kind of our jobs. But, um, in the end, that trip was quite interesting. Yeah. So that, that, that trip, like we'd struggled with weather, Greg got really sick and was trying not to shit his pants the whole time. Uh, not, well, not for, uh, <laughs> for, mo for most of the, for most of the uh, trip. And then, yeah, like it, it didn't quite lead up to like all the expectations. And then, um, a couple of weeks later, Greg really wanted to do this, um, electric volcano trip. Um, so the idea was to travel down in the PMW in an electric car, um, and ski as many volcanoes as we can. And, and he was like rallying all our friends and it's like kind of the end of the year. And I was the only one dumb enough to sign up for it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. Like I've always, <laughs> always wanted to do that. And then, you know, we started the trip with like, literally he rented, he rented the car and it was like, okay, we're going to start in Baker and see how it goes and see the next one. We like had no idea if it was going to work ne or not. <clears throat> Nissan Leaf goes a hundred miles per charge. You know, the yeah. trip is like is over 3000 miles. But we had, I've never used an electric car. You didn't know that the infrastructure's there, but was it really realistic to try to get from those chargers into the mountains? Like it was, it was really fun in, in terms of different sort of exploration where the unknowns were things that we've never even dealt with. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty hilarious trip, but I mean, the Hillbins thing, um, <clears throat> luckily we we're both sponsored by Solomon and that definitely helped, uh, help build our relationship because we both have freedom. 
most of my friends who are in their forties <clears throat> have, have jobs and restrictions and Chris seems to have a lot of freedom like me. So we, we <laughs> that's definitely how, how we end up doing a lot together. Huh. But that, that exploratory volcano trip was really, it was definitely the start of this electric adventures where it's like, can we, can we be sustainable adventures? Can we do it a little differently? And, and is it possible? Yep. You know, and it was super cool. I mean, we did six, the volcanoes, the highest in, in the three States. So it was quite fun right down to Shasta in California. Yeah. And I think it's like one of the, one of these things that to have someone else doing it is like, makes it way easier. You know, it's like trying to convince somebody that doesn't have vested interest in to like <clears throat> take twice as long to drive somewhere. They're like, that, that sounds stupid. But if you have like, if you kind of have that understanding and like, that know-how of like, oh, this could actually make a difference or like, yeah, it's just a, a fun new challenge and a way to like approach the mountains differently, you know? So it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's been pretty inspiring for both of us just like trying to do it a little bit different. Yeah. It's been, it's been really fun. Yeah. So from, from that movie and then our electric volcano, J Jordan Manley put this movie together called the curve of time, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> which is, actually why we're down in Denver right now. Um, so it's like kind of a environmental ski movie, um, which is, I mean, it's, it's definitely not a ski porn by any stretch of imagination. Anyone that knows Jordan Manley's work is, uh, he's a very creative filmmaker. So he's, he did this amazing job of kind of like, um, capturing what we've been doing and how we've been changing our lives to try and cut our carbon down. But like, doing it in this artsy kind of fun way. And so this trip, uh, we came down in an electric car as well. And we stopped at Jackson and Alta along the way and skied and showed the movie. And then last night we had a big showing at the, the OR. So <clears throat> yeah, the whole idea was, I mean, once <clears throat> OR said they were going to host do this night of Stoke, it's a night of activism and show our movie. Chris and I kind of pondered, we're like, well, can we, can we drive down there? Is that going to work? I own an electric electric car now a chevrolet bolt um because I, I bought into it and we were like okay we'll drive down because we obviously can't fly down to show this movie like rock stars fly in here and huge carbon footprint to come show this environmental movie so we kind of had to drive down here and then studying the routes it's like there it wasn't feed my car goes 200 miles 150 miles per charge and it looked at montana and idaho and there's no chargers fast chargers through that whole, those entire states so there was no real way to get down there in my car. So then we started looking at trains. We started trying, what other way could we get down here that was like, you know, a bit better for the world? And it turned out in the end, we, through this exploratory thing, we found out that Tesla has infrastructure the whole way down, really fast charging everywhere. And, um, and quite funnily enough, we ended up going for the Nissan Leaf on our volcano trip to my Chevrolet Bolt at home. And then we rented a Tesla to do this trip. And it's kind of really neat to see that technology because it's next level. <clears throat> It is, yeah, we were able to get down here and no other electric car could have done the trip we just did. Say more about this because I, I, honestly, I think I'm in the position of probably millions of people that I've never been inside of a Nissan Leaf or yeah. a Chevy Volt. Um, I've, I've been in a Tesla a few years ago for three minutes or something. But yeah. uh, so I think demystifying this a bit. To, for those of us who've never done it, I think that's a huge, huge element in terms of getting some of these new new technologies or cleaner technologies. Right now, it's just foreign, yeah. right? And so 
talk to talk to us a little bit well, about oh no for sure and that's kind of been my goal with this it's i looked at electric cars and i realized that people look at them and they think commuters cool if you're a commuter that's that's what you'd get but it wouldn't work for my lifestyle so I looked at, I'm like, I live in the middle of nowhere. I live in Revelstoke. It's a mountain town. It snows a ton. There's, you know, mountain roads everywhere. And my thought was, if I can, like I say, de- demystify it, if I can prove that the electric car works for my lifestyle, if I can, my goal is 100 mountains electrically. If I can do 100 mountains and people see this story that I can live this adventurous life with very few limitations and, and do it better with this electric car, then maybe it'll enter into their minds a bit more that, hey, that's possible for me too. You know, and, and that's sort of, what it's all about in these road trips i mean the first road trip in the nissan leaf like i wouldn't really it was a blast but we spent a lot of time charging and it wasn't very effective but as as the cars are getting better it's quite easy at home right now i have a charger at home and i drive to rogers pass and back and it's 150 kilometers and i get home and i just plug it in and my saying is it's just like plugging your phone in i plug it in and it's charged next day my chart my car is fully charged and there's no issue and it's it's actually super convenient Road trips are a different beast. And um, <clears throat> I mean, lots of people, when they hear that we're doing this electrically, they're like, really? And I'd never do that. And with with this Tesla, it's sort of adding 25% onto the drive. You know, the drive normally takes seven and a half hours. It'll take us about 10. Mm-hmm. And we'll stop and we'll eat and we'll have a nap. But, you know, we definitely, it takes a bit longer. But at the same time, it works, which is what we're really trying to prove. How long are you spending, you stop to charge to go from, I don't know, close to to get a, a full charge going or close to a full charge how long are we talking oh that's what's amazing about the tesla is the full charge it's sort of from zero to 100 would be just over an hour i'd say an hour and 10 but quite often you're kind of doing you're just topping up so we'll, we'll drive for two hours we'll top up for a half an hour and keep going and there's this weird thing where the last 10 percent of the charge takes w- way longer than the rest so there's this zone in the middle of the battery from like 20% to 80% where it charges really quickly. And if you just keep staying in that zone, then your charges are quicker and it's kind of more efficient. And then you can also, because the infrastructure is so good, Chris has been driving. I couldn't get insured on it, but he's, you can drive like 80 miles an hour. No problem to an next charger. So. Yeah. And it, I mean, that, that's kind of the, the beauty of it is that, you know, you, you drive for two or three hours and you're kind of ready for a break anyways. Yeah. And you go grab a snack at wherever the, the charger is and, maybe do a phone call and then all of a sudden you, it's like that time goes by really quick. It's not, it's not like this huge inconvenience. That's for sure. And, and, and definitely like, like when we started with the leaf, it was like, like serious math problems and like <laughs> trying to like figure out exactly how you're going to do it. And we were like, you know, driving like 55 miles an hour down the interstate. Cause of the, that, like we were like cons- full conservation mode. Whereas this is like a, a little bit more like, you just kind of go, you know, yeah. like it, it's a little less thinking this one for sure. Yeah. Obviously there's an app and it shows you where all the different chargers are. And it's really, you just, it's, you just watch your app and it tells you where to go, where you're going to get to. And yeah, it's, yeah. Really, it's, it's, yeah. it's awesome. And it, and it's kind of funny. It's like you, you talk to people about it and people are like, well, what about the batteries? Like they're bad for the world. And what about the energy that, that is like, um, pr- providing electricity and, and for sure, like we have a, like, we have a long way to go, but like, it, it's pretty clear that like, this is the future. And so like the kind of like principle behind it is like jumping on board, like Gr- Greg's got this car and, and jumping on board with that. And like, like, this is the future. We're not going down the gas, the gas 
combustibles anymore. Like it's pretty clear that gas is not the future, and that this is going to this is investing money into new technologies. Yeah. yeah, maybe the battery isn't perfect, but it's way better than what we've got, and ideally it'll lead us into the next thing that's even better. You know? Yeah, and it's just it's just going to get better and better. Like it's it's uh, like I I can only imagine like living in a city where you're just like sitting in in traffic a lot of the time with your engine just idling, and then like you do it with the electric car, and there's like there's nothing going on. You're just, you're just sitting there. So I think it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really nice ride. And like the, the electric motor, it's like, I mean, the Tesla is ridiculously fast, but even like the, the leaf and, and Greg's yeah, car, it's like these funny, like kind of, I don't know what you'd call them, but like kind of family cars or whatever, but like you will beat a sports car off <laughs> the line. Like yeah. there's so much torque, like you're squealing tires, like no problem. Yeah, it's <laughs> quite hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of but, funny. But yeah, and then when we look at it, so that volcano trip we did, we saw probably, honestly, close to 6,000 people on the volcanoes during those trips. Like, you know, Shasta was whatever long weekend it was. It was crazy. And, you know, it's just Chris and I were the only two in the little electric car puttering around, you know. And then, you know, that's sure. We sh- we saved whatever it was, 400 liters of 100 gallons of fuel or whatever. But if you look at everybody else that's out there and you start thinking, like, we're the ones that are most... most are, invested in nature we're the ones that love it the most so we should really be doing doing something for it and if half those six thousand people were driving electric cars boom there's a there's a change yeah and typically i uh, maybe this is wrong i'm not sure but as outdoorsy people we influence other people like they people kind of would love to do what we're doing so that in, in a way you're an influencer right not only us but everybody that does it they influence their friends in the city and you know those three thousand people that <clears throat> influence their friends and it just snowballs until yeah. all of a sudden it's less smog everywhere you know? yeah yeah, no, I think that's the 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 big thing we were talking a lot like last night was uh, this night of stoke with kind of engaging people and a- activism and, and and change and that's the the big thing is that that kind of snowball effect you know like it can start it can start anywhere you know um, both of us have changed our diets quite a bit uh, with eating like significantly less meat and it's it's kind of funny like you start at something as simple as that. And you, you, you started on principle and then both of us are just kind of trending towards eating way less meat because we don't really want to eat it anymore. Mm-hmm. And you start start there and then all of a sudden you're like trying to use less packaging or whatever, you know, you have all these like little side effects. It, it, it feels good. It kind of feels good when you like start becoming part of that solution. Um, and it, and you're like, hey, well, what can I do next? What can I do next? And instead of being like a burden, you uh, it's it's empowering, I think. And it's also, we're not perfect. We will never, never yeah. be perfect. And, and we, then a lot of <laughs> a lot of people are scared of even making the step because they know that people are going to call them out. But it's like, if none of us make a step, we're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And and it is like the the meat thing is one of the biggest things. It's one of the things anybody can do. And we're all we've been conditioned to think, oh, we need meats seven days of the week. And honestly, I think that's only been part of our culture for like seventy years. You know, before then, it was a it was a rarity. You know, Sunday night steak, uh, like roast night or whatever. Like it wasn't every meal. And you know, yeah, I'm a weekday veg now. So Monday to Friday is vegetarian. Weekdays, weekends we eat meat. But at first it was kind of like challenging, and now I love it. Yeah, and even this morning, you know, instead of getting bacon and eggs, I got um, quiche, veggie yeah. quiche. It was awesome. Yeah. Quite often, I'm blown away. I'm like, I don't really like portobello mushrooms, but it's the only vegetarian thing on there. I'm going for it. And then I'm sitting there savoring it, going, "Wow, I've kind of never wanted to eat this, and here I am, and really enjoying it." So, hmm. yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's an in, interesting 
interesting road to, to go down for sure. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think the whole hypocrite side of it, like we, I mean, while we say we've done this and all, all these changes, like there's, there's lots of work to do, but, uh, I think the, the important part is like starting, starting to go down that road. And, and, uh, of course we're hypocrites. I, we still fly, but, um, we have choices of like which flights we can go on and what we can do and, and stuff like that. Yeah, you so, got to pick your battles. Like, yeah. like, like I say, like when, when Solomon, we prototype stuff, we create gear. That's, that's our job. When they say come to France next week to work on next year's gear, kind of, we can't say no, mm -hmm. you know, so, but when it's our choice, we can make those choices and, and have our effect that yeah. way. And yeah, sure. Maybe that one flight to France screwed up all the, all everything we've been saving, but we're still saving on the other hand. Yeah. You know? And I think just that, I mean, take steps for each of us to be thinking through where we can take steps. I mean, if we're not, if we're not willing to do that and if we aren't doing that, then I mean, fuck off, like with this whole, like, I love the outdoors. And I mean, and uh, so, and, and I, anybody who wants to start playing the hypocrite game too hard. I mean, I, I just think this is one of those areas where it's like each of us is responsible for our own sort of self-examination mm -hmm. and each of us is responsible. And if we can help each other or in a community present new ideas or things and suggestions, but this idea that any of us has sort of arrived and therefore can start calling out, mm -hmm. that's a dangerous space to get into. Uh, and yeah, exactly. yeah. And I think just being like aware, aware of your, like that your actions, they, they do have consequences. So it's not like, it's not like whether you can afford something or whether you have time to do something. It's like, there's, there's consequences for your actions. It had, there's, there's like, if you, if you take a flight somewhere, like you are contributing, uh, carbon to the world. And, and it, to me, it's not important whether you go on that trip or not. It's being aware that, that that's what's happening. I, th I think. And, yeah. And the that, awareness will create change eventually. Yeah. Some people are like, Oh, well, whatever. There's always an empty seat on the plane. It doesn't matter if you take it. Cause it's going to be empty anyways. And it's, and it's not the world is a supply and demand world. And if we start demanding, they will respond. Yes, we want policies to change. You want it to come from the top, but it, what, if the individual is not willing to change, why would why would the government? Why would anybody else? You know, it's yeah. got to happen on all ends. And really, the individual is the easiest one to change. So if we start changing, then the policies will change. But if we are not willing to take these steps and, and sacrifice a bunch of things, then why why would anybody else? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's pretty cool. Like in, in our little community in Revelstoke, like as Greg and I have been doing this, I'm I'm seeing people change that. That, you know, and it's not like this like groundbreaking thing, you know, it'll be someone that, that used to drive to work all the time and now they're walking to work. It's like small, small things, but you see them and you talk to them about it and they're like, yeah, like we watched your film and, and now I'm walking to work and they're like, it feels really good. Like, and so it, it starts there and goes, so, you know, it, it continues to go there. So, um, I think it's, it's really cool to see that, that, uh, it's having an effect like that. So we should wrap, but, but tell me, you know, let's end with talking about this film. Um, you've, you've spoken to it a little bit already, but I'd love to hear a bit more. And then big question, um, where can people see this? So it comes out through Solomon's free ski channels, February 26th, I believe the last Tuesday of February. And, um, it's called the curve of time. 
and it'll be available then for everybody to watch. And um, yeah, basically, like we were saying, it's this environmental ski movie. It's showing us kind of looking at our lives from all perspectives and seeing what we can do. And um, yeah, we're really hoping that it's kind of like the butterfly effect. And once it starts, the little vibrations will keep going. Yeah, we're hoping kind of this. It's definitely one of those like, you know, maybe glad grab a beer or something like that and have it have a sit down and 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 watch it and it, it definitely so far it really makes people think and and uh you know it's a take on climate change but it's very it's it's lighthearted and kind of approaches this like huge elephant in the room but i think uh jordan did this amazing job of well showing the consequences and how important it is for us to act now it's the fact that like it's a positive thing like we believe that like we can we can do this as as humans and move forward in a positive way and and that we will um solve this problem um and and the idea is for it to be empowering to people and not like this negative uh movie of doom and gloom and and all that you know and it has that element to it but the, the idea is to come out of that inspired to to do something different yeah it'll be fun it'll be really great to, like we've done a couple shows with it and it's had great response but it'll be really fun to see what the world wide web thinks and it'll definitely stimulate some discussion and one of the things obviously we're, we're part of the commercialization of things like our goal is to create lust for the next greatest piece of gear the next everything and that that is a conundrum obviously right if we if we took this to the true extent then really we should go live in the bush and make cedar clothing and you know we we're lucky enough to be at a point where we're working with these companies and I don't want to just get rid of that and try to go backwards, but we're throwing this movie out with Solomon or working with it has created momentum in the company to become more sustainable and figure out their plan of action. And then it's sort of that it's like, it'll play, yeah. like I said, it'll just influence everything. And it really is. It's kind of forcing Solomon's hand a bit because they're, they're showing, they're showing it. And it's like, well, people are going to obviously call them out. And so they're going to have some answers, which is so good. Mm-hmm. and all from us you know we're just two dudes skiing around the mountains but we're actually having an effect that way that's how it works yeah it's cool you know like two 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 years ago we uh brought out guilt trip and uh solomon had not really talked about the environment and then all of a sudden a year later we're at, we're at this movie which is definitely like quite far far um down that side so it's a a pretty quick progression and mm-hmm. to be able to influence a company um that big is uh super cool and like i'm really proud of um being a part of a company that that is pushing a movement like that i mean yeah Hmm. well excellent february 26th yeah yeah on solomon tv and end of of february will be out on solomon tv so okay 26 Um, sorry 27th 27th 27th. february 27th yeah okay yeah we're just hoping as many people see it as possible because that's kind of the, the win of that is uh as many people seeing as possible and i'm sure they'll be we'll be busy on uh internet debates <laughs> yeah calling us out and yeah bring it <laughs> <laughs> well guys good to talk um and this is cool to catch up and hear about what you've been up to and and i was very curious about this particular trip so i appreciate the uh the account and uh greg i'm sorry you have 10 hours with this guy <laughs> very confined space yeah <clears throat> we've got some podcasts that are one of yours that we're definitely gonna listen to so yeah Tom called those one that's yeah. right yeah yeah no thanks for having us and uh yeah time to start driving north again cool well thanks guys appreciate it and uh safe travels back
Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks cool. a lot. It's been great. Cool. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Greg and Chris for the conversation. And again, you can check out The Curve of Time online on February 27th on Solomon TV. Thanks also, as always, to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, and we will talk to you next week.